0: Hello, and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. This episode is presented by Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget
1: and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you.
0: Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. We bet that most people who've experienced trauma in their lives, and we assume that that includes pretty much everyone, would agree that it changed them on some fundamental level. We go on, but we're not the same person we were before the impact of whatever our particular wounds are. Assumptions that we have about the world being a safe place are challenged, if not destroyed. Trauma
1: has been found to be a central issue for people with mental health and substance abuse problems. There is no denying the link. Yet, we still regularly hear comments like, that happened a long time ago, I can't you let that go, or you need to move on, offered as helpful, though insensitive, advice.
0: Now consider traumas that happened generations ago, slavery, the Holocaust, land loss, and other atrocities experienced by Native Americans, there's even less acceptance and understanding of its impact on the ancestors of those people. Yet intergenerational or historical trauma is now also understood as a rewiring of sorts that impacts our personalities and our beliefs about ourselves, our world, and our place in it. Like depression, even when it's not named, accepted, or treated— It can be there. And the people who have done the work to uncover their own inherited trauma can tell you that it's real and impactful. Today, Mark Paulus joins us to discuss the impact of generational
1: trauma on the Native American community, and specifically on himself. Here now is Mark giving his voice to depression.
2: I grew up on the Oneida Reservation. And growing up on the reservation and also visiting other reservations, I saw my fair share of substance abuse, domestic abuse, various types of abuse, self-harm, suicide, uh, all these things that are troubling within our communities. That stuff just sort of was accepted and normalized, and aspiring above that just wasn't a conversation.
1: Mark says it wasn't until he moved from the reservation to start college that he began to learn many of the things he'd accepted as normal really weren't, nor did they exist in a vacuum.
2: I started to realize that it was events that had taken place in our history that were contributing to some of those behaviors in our community today. The cumulative effect of all of those traumatic events have really beaten down the psyche of Indigenous people, and it continues to do that.
1: Mark stresses that the list of historical traumas to Indigenous people is long and varied, among the 574 federally recognized tribal nations within the boundaries of the U.S.
2: For the people that sit down with our population and listen to what they have to say, it's more than obvious that, that the pain is there, the trauma is there, and the healing is not there yet. Not for our population as a whole.
1: One traumatic event stands out for Mark because it directly impacted his great-grandfather, who he still considers one of his top role models.
2: You have the introduction of boarding schools. Uh, That was an all-out attempt at ethnic cleansing to remove our culture uh, from our people and and replace it with American uh, culture. And this was oftentimes done through a vehicle of abuse, Um, physical abuse, mental abuse, uh, sexual abuse, and that not only happened here in the United States, uh, but also happened in Canada.
1: Mark says under federal policy, parents were mandated to send their children to the military-style schools.
2: And then when they, when they went to the schools, they weren't allowed to speak their language. Uh, oftentimes, they did not speak English. Again, not allowed any contact with family or friends, not allowed to practice their culture or ceremonies, and they were not allowed to return home, not allowed to communicate with home, uh, family, family visits were not permitted. Um, so the, the students would leave and they wouldn't come back until they were teenagers. And by that time, uh, they, they had become totally disconnected uh, with their families, totally disconnected with their community. Um, and again, this was all intentional to replace their way of life with the american way of life
1: mark's great grandfather was one of those children some of whom are still alive today he like many elders kept the details of those abuses to himself
2: so they weren't talking about their trauma and and of course that was hindering their healing from their trauma and at the same time they were angry and ashamed about those experiences and that anger and pain was projected at institutions of education, at um, the outside non-native community, or really anybody that wasn't associated with our community. We were That's what we were taught as the next upcoming generations, not to trust the outside, um, not to trust education institutions and we were taught this anger. That's what we saw. That's what we learned. That's what we we uh, started to exhibit ourselves. Anger
1: wasn't the only impact passed down.
2: So, so alcoholism, substance abuse—you know, those are coping me- mechanisms uh, for a lot of people, and for our elders, that became one way of coping with the painful experiences that they had during the boarding school era. And that also became a coping mechanism that was taught to their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren.
1: Researcher Dr. Maria Yellow Horse Braveheart describes Indigenous historical trauma as the cumulative emotional and psychological wounding over one's lifetime and from generation to generation following loss of lives, land, and vital aspects of culture. One vital aspect of culture for Indigenous men and boys is expressed in how they grow and wear their hair.
2: One of the first things that happened to our men upon arrival at the boarding school was that their hair was cut. And that in and of itself was a traumatic experience. That was the... uh, detaching of their identity, uh, the detachment of their culture, the detachment of a connection to the men of their communities, their fathers, their uncles, uh, their role models. um, And that was painful.
1: Was and is. Generations later, Mark's youngest son was told to cut his hair before starting elementary school. Had his long braid been a mere fashion choice, the policy might have been received differently. But it's not. Mark explains that in Native American culture, the three interwoven strands of a braid represent cultural values and traditions that are part of a wearer's personal and community identity. After culturally educating discussions, his son was allowed to keep his hair long. And Mark acknowledges the school likely meant no harm, but that doesn't change the fact the event was triggering.
2: When when something traumatic is, is rehashed, it's like Pandora's box is opened, and, and all these memories of all of these different negative interactions and uh, different traumas they're all they're all unlocked, and they all come flooding in. Um, and so then, then you say, well, there they go again. This is, this is why I was taught to be angry. This is why I was taught not to trust people. Um, this, this is the reason why I'm the way I am. And, the, and this justifies my anger or, or uh, my depression or uh, all those, all those uh, the road that I've gone down with my, with my mental wellness related to historical trauma.
1: The transmission of generational traumas, sometimes referred to as psychic legacies or cellular memories, can manifest in the kind of community behaviors that are researched, documented, and turned into statistics. But there are other, less quantifiable effects, too, and one of them came to the surface in our conversation, as Mark doubled back to share more about his great-grandfather, exposing one of the much more personal Internal ways that he carries and is affected by the injuries and suffering of past generations.
2: So I talked about my great grandfather, and I talked about that he passed away when I was 18. It was my first uh, semester of college, and that that wasn't the first, you know, like family member that passed for me. It wasn't it wasn't my first experience with with death but that has always been the most difficult passing for me. And, and I, I know that part of the reason, I mean, definitely I loved him, but part of the reason is because I started to understand his trauma better and, and it, it, it saddened me so much that I would pray to him. Um, I, I, I cried uh, many times after his passing and, and it, emotionally it, it still hits me, but I was never able to heal with him like, like when he was alive. Like that's what I wanted. I, I wanted him to overcome that, that pain you know, I, I don't know what it's like to I don't know what it's like to to go through some trauma and eighty years later still have that same painful trauma in your life i I don't know what that's like. Um, i i I think that that's part of why that was so difficult for me either that he he was never able to heal or that I was never able to heal with him or that that we're both not able to heal together. I'm not sure how to put those, that all into words, but but I know that's part of why it was so difficult to lose him uh, at that time. And, and like I said, it still it still uh, impacts me very emotionally.
1: With pain from the past still evident. Mark has dedicated himself to reducing additional harm to current and future generations. So what about you, Mark? How are you caring for yourself and working to break those cycles in your own life and family?
2: That's a great question because we don't have all the answers to to that question. Personally, it's accessing our methods for Indigenous healing. For me, it's important that I participate in Sweat Lodge. Uh, That's a form of physical purification and also mental cleansing. It provides a spiritual connection for me to heal. And as the father of three sons... I have to be aware of what my example is teaching them. So I want them to know our history, and I want them to understand that this is something that we can talk about, and that our focus is on our mental wellness, and the, the mental wellness of our community. And that's more of a conversation than, than I ever had as a youth.
1: Mark says the path of healing involves understanding the past and looking the present and future in the face with both determination and grace.
2: Whether it's looking at how I've been able to heal over my lifetime, and, and it's a continual process, or looking at community members and looking about at how they're healing uh, and how they're talking about these things. It's a struggle. It, it really is. And you have to be compassionate, and you have to be a good listener, and and you have to be patient because it, it really is a long process to heal. And there's, just like anything else that you're trying to overcome, there's there's days where it's one step forward and there's days where it's two steps back. But But it is really a beautiful thing to watch people heal, even though there are those days where it's two steps back, because it won't be long and there'll be one or two steps forward.
0: Thank you so much, Mark, for talking to us about your history and your pain and your intergenerational trauma. And like you just said, talking about it is an essential element in healing it. And yet we know the courage that it takes and how deeply we have to dig to be able to do so. So thank you. Absolutely. And talking about
1: them helps us understand our own trauma as well, because as Mark said, sometimes an event like a, tr- a triggering event can happen, like with his son's hair, that our reaction to it might be viewed as disproportionate to whatever is happening. But we have to be aware in ourselves and in each other that sometimes that's because it is opening what he called Pandora's box. And all of the things, all of the emotions, all of the pain connected to that event are coming back. And so it actually is not a direct reaction to the single event that's currently happening, but to all that has happened in the past. So thank you, Mark, for pointing that out again, for expressing that so personally and passionately.
0: We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's.
1: We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road.
0: And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.